This is Behind the Mic at BYU Football Media Day 2022. Quick turn and a handoff. Becomes a reverse, becomes a flea flicker. Hall steps up in the pocket, goes for the end zone. Wide open as Romney and makes the catch for the touchdown. Today's coverage is brought to you by PAX, healthcare inspired. Also brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Now, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, our second hour of BYU Media Day coverage continues. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel at BYU Radio. Greg Grubel and my color commentary colleague on game days, Riley Nelson, with you as we preview BYU in 2022. The season kicking off 10 weeks from this Saturday as the Cougs travel to Tampa to take on South Florida. Uh, Riley, your thoughts on hour number one? Yeah, it was great to get the offense. Uh, well, obviously, Coach Sitake and then Coach Roderick and uh, and Jaron. I have a question for you as we got Coach Tuiaki just joining us right now. Go ahead, pop the headset on. We'll get right into it with you. But um, hey, uh, what are you more excited for, to see how the offense comes out in 2022 or, tw- or the defense? Is, is it okay to say that I'm equally excited on both yeah, sides of the ball? Because, of, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it, it's an experienced group. And, and like I said with Kalani, BYU went from one of the least experienced teams on paper um, to one of the most now. And I'm excited to see so many guys back who, as, as uh, Jaron said, know what they're doing. Uh, in our number one today, you heard from BYU head coach Kalani Sitake, quarterback Jaron Hall, and offensive coordinator, QB coach Aaron Roderick. In this hour, defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki, special teams coordinator, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb, linebacker Ben Benwater, Ben Bywater, and our own Mitchell Jurgens, along with uh, John Beck. And so all that coming up here in the next hour. Kicking off hour number two with BYU's defensive coordinator and D-Tackles coach Eli Satuiaki. Coach E, good to see you again. Good to be back. Here good, we good go again. Uh, it's a function of age. The older I get, the shorter the off-seasons get, which isn't a terrible thing. It means more football's coming up. Uh, ten weeks and a few days away from the season kicking off. Um, what is that? What is that uh, what's, what's your reaction to that? By this time, I'm ready for a break. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, in, in about three or four weeks, I'll be itching to itching to get back into it, and wife will be ready to kick me out of the house, and and we'll be ready to roll. All right. So uh, seven seasons in for you and Kalani and the staff, right? Um, how close is this defense to kind of owning the identity that you and Kalani envisioned when you came here together in, in 2016? Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I think it's just the work in progress, you know, and, uh, you know, the expectation will always be high with Kalani and myself, and I think that these boys have just done a phenomenal job. I mean, last year was was a huge step in the right direction for us, and, you know, obviously there's a couple of games that you like to change, but in general, um, you know, we lost most of our kids in the 2020 draft um, after the COVID year, and, and to play with such a young team and get so much more experience for all those young guys, uh, huge for us to take the step in the, in the direction that we want to for this next year. Coach, I was uh, down during all the interview row. I was um, listening to Coach Hadley talk. Uh, newly assigned defensive ends, right? So you and him are going to be working together yep. uh, across the entire defensive line. Yep. And and hopefully I'm not sharing some insider information here, but he talked about how one of your most important metrics as a, as a D-line and really as a total defense is yards per passing attempt. And uh, I was fascinated to hear him explain it. I'd wonder if you could, you know, tell us and the listeners how you arrived on that metric and why it's so important for your defense to limit the yards per attempt of the opposing offense. Yeah, you know, there there are so many different metrics to to uh, gauge and judge, right? And just so many more, I think, just through the years and through football. Obviously, um, sacks and interceptions are exciting for the fans to see. But when you're just talking about... Um, you know, just reasonable ways to to <clears throat> to gauge uh, success, right? Like um, I was talking about it in the other show, where where you know you you get four and a half sacks per per game, you're leading the country in sacks, but you're facing 40, 40 passes a game, right? And so it's only ten percent of uh, it's, it's, it's really so or like ten percent of pass attempts and even five percent of plays, probably. right? Right, yeah. and 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 <clears throat> when you what happens that I think when you're just chasing sacks, you get. The, the, you get defensive ends that are rushing wide, and they're always getting washed by by the mm. quarterback, right? And, and you'd appreciate this, but for us as a defense, and when you're when you're talking about trying to make it difficult for for a quarterback to complete uh, complete passes, 
the go route, right? And you don't really need to see much to do that. But you've got you've got your post, you got your comeback, you got your dig, uh, you've got so many different route combinations that break at a point that goes right through the B gap. That's the throwing lane for us, right? And when a defensive end is is doing that, and, and he's just chasing sacks, he's just taking himself out of the play. He gives us what we called, and we named it a, a couple years back, a rush of no worth. Like you're literally hmm. giving us nothing when you do that. If you're at least coming and stopping in the B gap and putting your hands up, it gives us a chance to get a check down instead of instead of something like that. And so, for us, it's it's been more bat bat balls down, get the quarterback to move his feet right at any level. When you're talking Pop Warner, high school, college, NFL, for the most part, most quarterbacks are less accurate when they're moving their feet than they are when they're planted and, and delivering. And so, the the idea is if we can get the quarterback to move his feet, we get our hands up, we can we can get our we can get our hands in throwing lanes, and we've got a chance to just at least be frontal in the rush. We got a chance to collapse the pocket all together, and we can we can force him to check the ball down instead of instead of making those throws that are that are chunkier yards you know for us and so that's that's kind of been more of the philosophy behind it um really really hard to to get the d-line to buy into something like that right because everyone knows right i don't you, get to do my dance on the jumbo <laughs> my dance but also <laughs> the roars that you get when when, yeah. when you get a sack right it's it's, it's a little addicting and and it's got to be okay when what so you know the way that it's got to be preached in, into the whole group is when one guy gets a sack, we all get a sack. That belongs to us as a group, right? And so um, it's because this guy collapsed this and this happened and this. And so there's there's so much more to just the the you know uh, the quarterback trap is, is what we call it in our in our room that everybody's got to be cognizant of their job and what they 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 do in order to help the other person out. And then what what we're giving up when you end up screwing us and just doing something a little bit more selfish, mm-hmm. you know? So. Okay. Love it. Going into your wheelhouse on the D-line, it's basically last year's group. I mean, Lopa leaves, but essentially everybody who played last year's back. Right. I guess you could add, I say, Moa, maybe you know, a newcomer, right. um, but young. So you're basically going to ask the same group that finished last year to start you off on the right foot this year. Right, right. Yep. And we got uh, this spring I thought was really, really encouraging. Um, I felt like felt like the first group kind of started to separate themselves. Where uh, Earl Earl Mariner playing strong end. You got uh, uh, Gabe Summers, uh, Caden Hawes, and Tyler Batty. When those four were in in the spring, like tough, tough group to beat. Like really, really, they played really good. They're mm-hmm. all smart. They're all strong. They're all really good pass rushers. All that stuff. And so um, developing the the depth behind it, I start to feel pretty good about it at the end of spring. I mean, you got. All those young D linemen. Lorenzo comes back. Nisa comes back off of injuries, but mm-hmm. Alema Pili Mai moved over from tight end, and he's he's uh, the the last two two weeks of spring ball. It was like okay, there's some reps where this guy is like he's gonna NFL scouts. So he's there like to him. stay. Then Alema's there to stay. He's, he's okay. there to stay. Yeah. Okay, and I just I, I think that uh, we've got a lot of of bodies and and just the uh, you know guys that played for us last year that are just John Nelson, Josh Larson, um, Blake Mangelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is Hunter Fisher Freer. still in the mix? Fisher's I, I, that's one that I've forgotten all day. Fisher's yeah. still, still Fisher's still in the mix, yeah. and so right now he's backing up Batty. He and Alden are, are fighting for the spot to back up Batty. Yep. But um, Man, yeah, Pepe, we now consider a linebacker, right? Pepe's a backer. Yeah, yeah. right. So I mean, I, I go into my games with like literally a dozen D linemen on my board because they play. Right. And and so w- when so many guys do play and a lot of rotation on the D line, what does it take then to truly stand out on your D line? Uh, consistency. That, that's always you know one of the questions when when one guy is trying to beat out another guy, and we just have our, our conversations and you know uh, private conversations. So what what can I do better? It's, it's consistency. The, the guy that's the most consistent is going to be the one that that uh, plays, and it's not always like production on paper, right? If if you're if there's, I mean, it, it's hard to say that production on paper is very very important, but it's uh, you know playing together as a D line, and you're you understand what we're trying to do, and and, and you, you will know really on any given play what player A is supposed to do, the fans may or may not know what that assignment is, but you do. Oh, And that, so that's how you're judging it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be yeah. in the box like something good happened and the crowd's going wild and I'm just on the headset like get this guy out like get him on the phone I'm pissed <laughs> off I want to yell at him right now right like <laughs> it's uh yeah I, I, my eyes are just straight on the D-line. Uh, so talk about the back end of the defense uh, and maybe come back to the to what you were talking about the yards per attempt and the D-line by the way as a quarterback 
I always felt like on the back end, I could go away from a lockdown cover. I always could find another option if I had time and space to operate. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I was glad that you talked about the effect that uh, a D-line – it really is – a D line gives a quarterback more nightmares than a than a good secondary. But you got some good players in the secondary, and they they were so key at times last year. Talk about the kind of spring ball that they had, the work that they got to do in camp, and the product you expect on the field. Yeah, the I mean Caleb Hayes had an amazing year. Thought that he he was the the, the guy that stood out the most as far as just the corner play, and you know obviously D'Lo has, has just come a long way from from where he was when he when he first played here as a freshman, and then. Um, you know, uh, J- Jacob uh, Jacob Robinson was another one that you know goes back and forth between corner and uh, and nickel, and so uh, you know, adding adding uh, a Judy for us is going to be huge. But then also, the, you know, we're we're hoping that uh, one or two of the five freshmen that we brought in could could contribute, like just give us some snaps in certain situations and just be a little bit ahead uh, mentally in order to give some snaps. But you know, the, the secondary is always a little bit different. You know, the multiplicity in the defense, at least for us, exists more in the front than it does in the in the secondary we we uh so many different things you got to know right so if you're you're playing man coverage there's how do you play a stack how do you play these motions how do you play this how do you play that and there's just so many variables with one coverage and so coverages you got to be a little bit more you know you maybe run two or three with a couple of blitzes but uh, the front is where the all the multiplicity exists and so um our you know our guys our our dbs i think we got a lot of experience with the safety getting all those other guys in is going to be huge but just learning the system and just Getting to the point where they can they can give us snaps is going to be huge for the for the young guys. In in twenty twenty one, injuries hit hard on the BYUD. Perhaps no place was there a greater impact than when Keenan Peely left uh, for the season. But with that, who benefited most with the reps that became available when Keenan uh, was absent? Ben, ben, ben yep. Bywater, yeah, Ben Bywater by far. But the great thing is now Ben Bywater comes back. And we almost see him exactly like we do Keenan and Peyton. And it's like, okay, now we got Ben back and we got Keenan and Peyton. And then you've got Max Tooley, who obviously who's, who's done a really, really good job. And you've got other guys that have developed. And, um, Talked about Pepe already moving to yeah, backer Pe- full Pepe time. moving to backer. And, and Where's Chaz to you? What is, what, is, what is Chaz to yeah, you right Chaz, now? Chaz, Chaz is, a, is, is a backer. Chaz okay. is a backer as well. Um, he, Chaz, um, Trying to trying to think of the depth chart off of my mind here, but Max, I mean, all those guys are doing a good job. You know, the other one too is Kavika Gagne has come back off of injury, and um, you know he'll he'll be he'll be full go and give us give us some snaps as well. Okay, last year's team uh, was top fifteen in defensive interceptions, so balls picked. Um, you had fifteen of them last year. Uh, you were twenty first in turnovers gained last year as well, seventh in the margin overall, and and you were a top. Almost top third of 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 the nation in scoring defense, fifty first, which is you know better than middle of the pack. What were you most proud of last year from the BYU defense that had to go through a lot of adversity when it came to depth and injury? You know, I, I appreciated the way that the kids responded. You know, obviously it's uh, the winning and 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 trying to do that. Sometimes it's ugly, and and you do the best that you can. But I thought the buy-in from the players, uh, the way the way that they they performed, and just all the different kinds of schemes and stuff that we had to we had to put together with different personnel groups. I thought I thought was huge and. Um, just really, really proud of the kids that way. You know, obviously we'd like to try to win all of them, and there's there's a lot of things to fix with the ones that we didn't, and there's always also things that we we learned off of the ones that we we did win. But um, you know, to to kind of sew those up and be ready for this next season will be will be huge for us. Coach, I haven't uh, spent much time because it's still a year away, but a bit, Big Twelve has obviously been part of this media day and, and the discussions. And as you look at Baylor's of the world. Well, Baylor's a little bit looks a little bit different than it does under Grime, but kind of historically that the the Baylor, but more maybe the Oklahoma State's TCU is now like full spread and up tempo and all that. The hallmark of your defense is physical, like own, like it's almost like a wrestling match, right? Uh, how do you continue? How do you plan on not only continuing to establish and keep that as part of your identity, but bumping that up against you know the Big Twelve where people are throwing like. Forty attempts is probably on the lower end of right. attempts per game, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so how do you balance those two and establish that dominance while you know you got these guys trying to run circles and they're turning yeah, into a track yep, meet? Yep. No, it's it's. Uh, I mean, there's going to be you know a, a lot of discussion at least with the with the defensive staff just about to do that, and I think one of the the. Uh, the things that was really tough about being independent were, were all the different schemes that you see, and then you never see them the next year. Like it's not like a you get a home and home, and you you play. And, you know, we saw so many different schemes 
um, we have so many notes from different coordinators that we always kind of just keep track of, but we never look back on them. And, um, you know, being able to, to play all those different schemes was, was kind of tough, but now that, um, you know, we're going to have a chance to just play a conference where we have seen a bunch of these schemes already by different people, and we're going to be able to come back and, and look at our notes at, okay, what do we do to defend these guys? What worked? What didn't? What we, you know, what wish we would have Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, be able to build off of just a, a book of doing that. Because I think, you know, for us, it was really just Utah State and Boise and then an occasional Utah game where all the rest of them, it was like some of them were one and done. Some of them were a, a home and a home every other year. It was seven year. years yeah. later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that, that was that was tough. But I felt like in Independence, because we played so many different conferences, we did see a lot mm. of different schemes, a lot of different schemes. And, and I thought that that was healthy for us. Okay, the last thing for you, E, we'll let you go. Um, when you're playing at a conference, you kind of get a book on every other team in your league. And the one thing you don't have in Independence is that book because everything's different every year. You might see a couple home-and-homes, but there's a, there's a rhythm in, in conference play. Do you kind of do you anticipate? Or are you eager for that, or looking forward to kind of having that every year? We know with this coordinator, this coach, we're going to see this look and getting into that rhythm of being in a league and then competing for a championship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that uh, you know. The pros of it is you do get that. You get a little bit of a rhythm. And the cons of it is, for some reason, just conference games are always tougher to win. Everybody's trying to win the conference, and and uh, you always seem to just get the best best shot, best effort and you know from, from everybody um, that, that's trying to, to win the conference. And so um, I think it'll be a fun thing for us and for the fans, too. Well, it's always fun to visit with you, and I'll see a lot more of you each week on the Coordinator's Corner this year. Looking forward to that and to the season getting underway. Coach Elisa Tuiaki, thank you for the time. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Greg Coach. Rubel with Riley Nelson. That was Coach Elisa Tuiaki. Ed Lamb is coming up next. This is BYU Football Media Day. Behind the mic with Greg Rubel. Back with more on BYU Radio. This is Behind the Mic at BYU Football Media Day 2022. Helmet high snap. The right-hander goes downfield. He's got a man, and it's intercepted! Malik Moore with another INT makes the catch in the end zone. Today's coverage is brought to you by PAX, healthcare inspired. Also brought to you by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back to our BYU Football Media Day edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. I'm Greg Grubel alongside Riley Nelson. Great to have you with us on BYU Radio. In 2011, BYU forged a path that a few programs could tread and do so successfully. But 11 years later, now in 2022, the independence era comes to an end with a 12-game regular season slate that will start on the East Coast at South Florida and end on the West Coast at Stanford, in between, the Cougs will play games in Oregon, Nevada, Virginia, and Idaho, along with hosting six games at Lavelle Edwards Stadium as BYU plays for a third consecutive double-digit win season. And our preview of this historic 2022 campaign continues as we welcome in assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, and safeties coach Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, always a pleasure to see you. Welcome in. Thank you. How's your day gone? Oh, it's it's fun. to have this type of attention on what we do is really fun, especially with most of my career being at places where there's there's not a whole lot of people that care a whole heck of a lot about what you're doing. So the BYU fan nation is large, and and uh, it's so fun to be a part of all of it. And we'll see who gets taken to Big Twelve Media Days, but that'll be a different feel altogether when everything is focused on this building and these coaches and players. BYU gets to be one of fourteen teams in the Media Day mix next year as you rejoin a conference setting. It's been so long since BYU's been in a conference, and I just finished it off with Coach Tuiaki. I look forward to that being in a league again, having colleagues you're going to see every year, and then competing for a crown. That's there's something to be said for that. Absolutely, yeah. It, it also uh, there's there are ways where it really makes you better as a football program because the, these teams that you face year in and year out they find they find cracks in your offensive and defensive philosophies and schematics and you correct those from year to year and there's a, a there's play that's back and forth. So I think in terms of can we can we raise the program even more you know on a national level and and to me the answer is clearly yes and the Big Twelve is going to be a major part of that. Okay, and we will get. Uh, I mean, that, that that's another discussion for other days. There's a 22, uh, 2022 campaign to concern ourselves with. But a quick word about twenty twenty one. How do you look back on ten and three last year? 
Well, they, you know, it just depends on what uh, what we're talking about. There's certainly individual players began to write their stories, their career stories, and that was so fun. And to see other guys finish out their career the way that they did, and we and we could talk about any of those guys. And that's really part of the purpose that I have in coaching is seeing people achieve their dreams and seeing if I can help them with that. But you know, as as a program, I felt like that uh, you know we just battled as a team throughout the season. Early on, there were low scoring games where I felt the defense kept us in there and the offense was clutch and even closed out some games with some big four-minute drives. And then there, it, later we shifted to a different brand of complementary football. We were we were outscoring a lot of the opponents. We were struggling on defense. We had we had some injuries that continued to mountain up. I, I, we didn't have, you know, I don't think we had the success that we needed to as a defensive coaching staff to plug the guys in and continue the great production we had in the beginning of the year. So, yeah, you know, I think the table is set. We've got I certain I, I think the program confidence is at a high, maybe you know, maybe near an all time high, at least in the time that we've been here. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some humility too. We did not finish the season well. We lost the bowl game and uh, we've got some things to prove and I think that's a healthy position to be in. Coach, you mentioned the different phases and kind of how there's ebbs and flows. Have you ever been a part of a team that really was able to put it together in all three phases over the course of a season? If so, what were the characteristics of that team, and how can you uh, do your best to put those in place for 2022? Yeah, I, I guess the for me, we had a run at uh, San Diego, and I was working there with Jim Harbaugh, where we just— our players were so much better than the teams that we faced. Even when we didn't have good games, we we still came out with you know thirty, forty, fifty point victories. And I don't know that that is any more re- rewarding, you know, than than gutting out to victories. Um, I think that BYU is at a place right now where um, when one sector of the team falters, you know, uh, we, we, you know, I'm knocking on wood here. We don't get kicks blocked. But if we had one block, there's no question in my mind that the offensive, defensive personnel, coaches, et cetera, would not be in a blame game. And we're just at a really healthy point right now, though. If, to me, if there's if there's kind of multiple mistakes and there's multiple losses that mount up, that that dynamic becomes more and more fragile. But right now, even though we've we've been humbled and we have something to prove next year, I really think we're all in it for each other. Coach, uh, back to last year for a second, uh, and more defensively, I guess I'm looking at. Did, do you, do you think it was a worse year than normal on the injury front? Do you look back at it as wow, it was a really hard year for us health wise, or do you view it more as par for the course for college football today or BYU today? I, I think the number of injuries, like in, in my experience, like when we chart the number of injuries, it doesn't really change from year to year. What can really change is if it happens to be pinpointed at a specific position where the depth at that position is unproven, untested, and then and then doesn't and then doesn't pull through. And as a coaching staff, we're supposed to be able to manage that and uh, with strategy and scheme somehow mask that. And and that's what I thought we weren't able to do last year. We had multiple multiple injuries, especially at the linebacker position. We had new guys coming in that uh, weren't able to to rise to the occasion and produce the same amount of production. And then as coaches, we weren't able to tweak the schematics enough to hide that. Okay. Uh, how much can you view or do you view this season as its own like discrete segment of games? And how much do you look at it as a barometer of how prepared BYU is for 2023? Well, n- not at all. And, and here's why. Um, for For me... Gosh, I had another thought come to my mind. Maybe I'll maybe bring that up at the end. But, but for me, um, it is so critical that we, these seniors this year, that will have no nothing to do with the Big 12, we have to send them out correctly. And mm-hmm. so it's just not very much on my mind, the Big 12. When I was recruiting, yes, this recruiting class we're currently recruiting, that's a Big 12 recruiting class. Okay. And it was very much on my mind. But you'll notice today, I'm not wearing, I will not wear anything Big 12 other than recruiting. You won't see me wearing some of the some of the gear that we've got recently, and that's just out of respect for the current team and what they're trying to accomplish together and the way the seniors are trying to finish. What was your uh, other thought? Was it unrelated or related? <laughs> you know, I, I've got the question several times today, you know, like, uh, you know, did, did Baylor last year teach you that, you know, you guys are what you need to do to be in the Big 12? I was like, you know, Baylor... None of the teams in the Big 12 were ready for Baylor, right? right? Like, well, what are we talking about here? That was the here? best like, team in the Big 12. We were a very good football team last year. We didn't play our best game against a very good football team, and we lost. Like, the you know, trying to globalize, uh, you know, we've got a whole file of what we learned against Baylor. Make no mistake. Like, we don't we don't burn the video and move on. Like, mm-hmm. we, we, we learned a lot of things. But um, if somebody's going to ask me, like, if betting were legal for college coaches, I'm betting on BYU. I feel very good about the Big 12. 
Coach, you, uh, I want to go back. Uh, you talked about the linebacker core and the unfortunate. So, and look, football is football, um, but you always want to. When something happens, you always want to look in. And is there anything I could have done differently to perhaps prevent it? At, uh, when I was playing quarterback, we had turnover prevention, but we also had injury prevention, where we practiced things like uh, you know practicing sliding, avoiding big hits, you know, even stuff such as getting the ball out of your hand to a checkdown or throwing it away, uh, running that internal clock for those linebackers you think it was just nature of the fact that they're in a violent chaotic position in the middle of the defense or are you working on perhaps approaching tackling in a different way that perhaps preserves a shoulder or, or a torso or something yeah I think I think that can be um, the case uh, just the the injuries themselves we can take any specific injury and maybe look at the the instant when it happened you know um and Keenan Peely's, for example, was a non-contact injury. So in that case, no. What 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 would we have done differently? Now uh, the training staff and the strength staff, they might be looking at okay, what kind of load and and uh, did we put those guys under during the practice week, and and would that have anything to do with that? As coaches, we say, how many snaps did he play, and how many snaps did he play in a row? Could that have had anything to do with it? Other injuries are more contact related, and maybe we say, well, we're, we're you know were we using him correctly, or are we teaching him the, the right technique? I think what I'm getting at is every situation is so much different. When I'm alluding to things that we could have done differently. Just the way that I uh, think of the game and kind of my role on the staff is, you know, I think we could have uh, maybe, you know, either uh, ramped up the aggression of the linebackers we had, but, you know, put pressuring them through gaps or or dropped out more into into drop eight coverage and give them more of an opportunity to play more snaps and force the offense to execute. And and I think that we wanted to show confidence in them by playing, OK, base defense and, and you know, rush for and cover and, and do like, you know, everybody does and. You know, in hindsight, uh, you know, they weren't ready for that. And, and they were, it doesn't mean they're not good players. It's just that takes a lot of experience to be able to play the game in that way. Thank you. That's fascinating insight. I mean, a lot of people, it, it is the cost of doing business. Injuries are the cost of doing business. But it's fascinating to hear an experienced coach like yourself talk about how and nobody has solved it in the hundreds of years that football has been played, uh, but how you at least approach it and, and to be critically evaluate or to critically evaluate. Thank you. Coach Lamb, a few players in the, uh, in, in the back seven I want to throw names at you. Just um, get your thoughts on before we let you leave. Uh, Malik Moore, since he was one of only two defensive players to start every game last year, I get the sense he's locked down or at least has the right to say, I, I deserve to be a starting safety for BYU this year. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's a fair way to characterize it. Every every job is on the line every day, including mine, and uh, Malik knows that. But, uh, yeah, he, we, we, he's got the experience right now. Okay. Uh, Chaz Ayu, I mentioned him with Coach Tuiaki. I, I'd never know where to think of him as a safety or a backer hybrid, and it sounded like he may be more of a linebacker than – is he kind of a linebacker now? He is. That's yeah. what he's preparing okay. for, and he's open. We, we're the same way on the coaching staff where okay. you, you know we, we want to be flexible. Flexible and have utility. Uh, George Udo. George George Udo has been working specifically with the safeties. Really feel good about his recovery from injury and excited about what he'll bring this year. And uh, I think any coaching staff would love to have the luxury of uh, two primary kickers like you've got being back in, in Old Red and Rico. That's right. We, at, that's the core right there to build that special teams unit around. I think we can improve that, that portion of our game significantly um you know the, the returns as well you got some returning guys that have done it before and um i feel feel really good about the core that we have at special teams hobbs on punt return right now primarily yes he's a real natural at it he showed a lot of signs last year improvement from year one to year two of his career so super excited about his future and will kick return be a competition uh, it seems that's almost not that it, not the, that the position doesn't matter anymore but the way the game is played now it doesn't have as much impact as it did 10 years ago yeah we've we've done a lot of analytics and uh, you know i think Early on, some of the analytics were kind of pointing to, you know, be ready when the opportunity arises, and it still does. But, uh, you know, I think at at the same time, there's kind of – it's got to come down to a head coach of, you know, what type of aggression do you want to bring to that phase in the game. Mm -hmm. So actually, Kalani's going to get a lot more involved in the kickoff return this year. It'll give him a chance to kind of have an outlet for coaching and working with depth charts without stepping too much into the offense and defense, which which he has the authority to do and he will continue to do. But, you know, to kind of have something that he can take ultimate ownership of. Can you spoiler alert us as to what his vibe might be, what his approach might be to that position? Yeah, I I think it really is going to be about, you know, um, training – training the boys to make the smartest decisions and being ready for what we would call the home run ball so the so the the kick with 
with not very good hang time, the kick with not very good distance, you know, can we be prepared without constantly driving that return every ball, return every ball, stay aggressive? You know, it's it's really the same decisions you make on offense and defense. You want to blitz all the time, get a bunch of sacks, great, 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 great. There are downsides to that too, right? There are downsides to throwing the ball down the field all the time. It's sexy as hell, but, but, you know, there are downsides (laughs) to all of this, and he's going to bring that to our kickoff return. Coach Lamb, uh, thank you for taking the time with us today. Uh, you've gotten me excited again uh, for another season of Coordinator's Corner yeah. and the season ahead. Uh, look forward to it all with you. Thanks so much. Yeah, me too. Thank you. All right, that's Coach Ed Lamb. We'll come back with Ben Bywater as we continue. It is Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel at BYU Football Media Day on BYU Radio. This is Behind the Mic at BYU Football Media Day 2022. Straight back drop. The lefty throws. Intercepted. Peyton Wilder on the pick. 25-20, 15, 10-yard line. Pressured. Pocket collapses. Goes down again. Another sack for BYU. Tyler Batty was involved. He was in that mix yet again. What a day for TB. Today's coverage is brought to you by PAX. Healthcare inspired. Also brought to you by Big O Tires. Your local Big O Tires has financing available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Now, back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU Football Media Day coverage continues with this special edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. I'm joined by Riley Nelson as we continue our preview of the 2022 Cougar football campaign. The Phil Steele College Football Preview is out. And in his rankings of positional units, the BYU linebacking core is well represented, ranking 12th nationally. Only the BYU O-line is higher at 11th. Uh, the Cougars' top three tacklers last season, all linebackers. They combined for 20 tackles for loss, three picks, seven pass breakups, and this season they return Keenan Peely, who was lost for the season early in last season. We get the lowdown on the linebackers from last year's leading tackler, the former Olympus Titan himself, Ben Bywater. Hi, Ben. Hey, how you doing? Doing very well. Good to have you in us, yeah, with us. Thanks uh, for having me. Uh, let's get right to the number change. Last year, I saw you were 33. Yes, sir. And it looks like this year, you're down to a single digit. I am. Jersey number two for yes. you. Yeah. Yep. Explain. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. I don't I don't know if it's that deep. Like, you know, it's like sticking with one number. I, I was just talking to my boys about this yesterday. Like, I, 33 was great, you know, and I, I wanted to keep it, but, you know, thir- two came up. I wore two in high school, you know, so I was like, you know, I, I kind of want to mix it up and and rock rock the deuce. So, I mean, I, I I couldn't tell you. I don't think there's a super deep meaning other than like, you know, it might, might make me look a little bigger. I was so. going to say, what about the fact it makes you look bigger on there? Smaller number. <laughs> yeah, if we're going to be real, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. I mean, three, 33 is like 88. Nobody wants it because it's so bulky. There's such yeah. bulky square numbers on the jersey. It just makes you look. He didn't li- he's not lifting all these weights and putting on, you know, he's not building these beautiful muscles for nothing. you got to show him off on the field. Yeah, you know, so you you know. Thank you, Miguel. Yeah. So two's going uh, to, you know, slim, accentuate. Slim, exactly. There you exactly. go. Um, how do you view your 2019 and 2020 seasons as preparation for 2021 in which you end up playing all 13 games and start 12 yeah so my story i mean it's a. Uh, I mean i'm sure a lot of people have had the same same story but you know i got off my mission i redshirted right i played my four games i probably got 70 75 snaps that year which was 19 quite, right in 19 in 2019 yeah, yeah so yeah. i i redshirted and i but i played in four games and i started special teams for those four games which for me was huge you know and and I think the coaches, you know, they were excited about me. Like, you know, I'd showed a lot of promise so that I could play, you know. And in the games I had, I had like 12 tackles that year, which mm-hmm. was like, I mean, for, for a little rookie freshman, like I was, I was stoked about that. And then, uh, you know, the next year, it just, I just, the ball didn't really swing my way. I mean, I just, I got injured. I, I, I kind of messed around that off season. I didn't put on the weight I needed to. And so I went in that year, got hurt, you know, I got what I deserved, you know, and mm-hmm. I realized, hey, man, like this is college football. Like, am I going to do this or am I, am I just going to shy away? So, that that off season was huge for me. You know, I put on twenty five pounds. You know, in a in a really healthy way, in my opinion. And so, you know, I came in at fall camp last year, the twenty twenty one season, just swinging. You know, I was up to bat, and you know, I was I was in a mind state where I was like, you know what, I'm not I'm not gonna let any I'm not gonna squander any more opportunities that are given me. And so for me, uh, you know, last year playing in all thirteen games, starting all thirteen games, and just uh, having one hundred two tackles, man, it was it was a blessing. And obviously, it's not all me. It's like you know, my coaches did a great job. That you know, they believed in me. They put me out there, which obviously up my confidence but man it could not have worked out better you never want to lose a guy like Keenan but I asked coach Tuiaki who benefited most when Keenan went down he said without hesitation Ben Bywater yeah uh but now you get Keenan back yeah and so now I mean with what you were able to do last year you bring back Keenan Peely uh, I mean you know 
health being a big part of this deal. If you stay healthy as a group, I know you guys have to be super stoked about what you guys can do together. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for those guys to come back too because they come back and it's a uh, it makes everybody better, right? You know, they can't just key on one person. You know, those guys making plays on one side of the field is going to only help you know me on the other. So I'm excited for him to be back. So talk to us about uh, give us a, a give the listeners out there a little bit of insight into. Working together as linebackers, at times it might feel like you're out there like hunting solo, but really there's coordination. You're hunting more like a wolf pack or yeah. like a pack of lions, so there needs coordination there. Talk about chemistry and uh, because each of you have had your different, you know, the read-in was about mm-hmm. Wilgar, and each of you have had your different games where you've been highlighted. But talk about that pack mentality and really being the core of the defense at the center of it. Yeah, so I mean – I mean, if you there's three backers on the field, right? So you guys are working in unison, right? So you know that let's say it's run, you know, to the boundary, right? Your your boundary backer is going to move, and he's going to try and force him in the middle. So it's like you guys are working as a unit, trying to just corral the running back, right, and just into a into a spot. And obviously, you're working with the D line, you know, what gaps are opening up, and so you're trying to corral the running back and make sure that you know he's not getting loose. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun, you know. You hunt as a pack, especially with the linebacking core, and you know you have guys that are going there, you know, blowing up blocks. You know, you have a big guy like Keenan Payton is going to go in there and you know blow some blocks up it's going to free you up so you know I love playing against you know playing with those guys you know I trust them and you know they trust me and so it's like how can you just you know improve that chemistry really quick Greg you were talking about your weight earlier that you put on 25 what is the right weight from you what are you sitting at now you know yeah. what do you hope to be game one yeah I'm 231 232 right now which I really like and you know last time I weighed you know I'm you know my body fat is low which low as for me low you know is what I want so um, you know, I feel really good right now. You know, I'm fast, I'm strong. So, you know, it's, it's always fun. You know, during during July, June, July, everyone starts getting all cut up, diced up. You know, it's like fun going to the season. Yeah, because their shirts off more. You're exactly. on boats. You're, you're on boats. You know, the, the UVs are out. You're just catching rays. But, you know, from January, you know, I was I was like 240 in January, which was mm. it was big. And so I slimmed down a little bit. You know, kept the strength. And so, I'm excited. I feel good. What's more important, be stronger or be smarter? Oh, be smarter. Absolutely. You know, we we were just talking about this with Peyton. Like, you know, at this level, everyone's big, everyone's fast, everyone's strong. But where you get an edge is like, you know, you know what formation, what are they trying to run? How are they trying to attack us? You know, where's the weaknesses on the defense? So for me, it's like, you know, sometimes I, I work smart or I work harder, not smarter. You know, it's like, you know, if you can get an edge in the film room, get an edge, you know, with your recovery, that's that's more important for me. Okay. Uh, schedule outlook for 2022 first. That's part A. And then B, uh, you're going to be one of the players with an opportunity to be an anchor in the Big 12. Yeah. You're young enough that you still got Big 12 years ahead of you. So let's maybe look at 2022 and 2023 with you, what you want to get for yourself and the team out of this year. And that can you see yourself being an anchor uh, in the new league? Absolutely. I mean, for me, it's uh, this year is going to be – I mean, we're all focused on this year. Everyone's all in on this year, right? And so, and it's a big, it's a big schedule. And so, I think for us, what we've been talking about today is just building momentum, building momentum, staying healthy, and getting bigger, faster, stronger for next year. Because I mean, when we played Baylor, like I'm, you know, just a little insight. Like those boys were big. Like they were, I, you know, I, I went home from that game thinking, hey, I gotta, I gotta eat some more chicken, you know, <laughs> just because these are some big boys out here in Texas. But uh, yeah, I mean, for us, like focus on this year. You know, our our goal is, you know. Go undefeated, obviously, and, and you know, make a name for ourselves in, in this last year of independence. But looking forward, I mean, I haven't put a ton of thought into it. I probably should right. a little more just because I'm trying to, you know, focus on today, focus on tomorrow. So it makes um, sense. But it, it'll be fun playing the Big 12, like such an opportunity for us. And, you know, compete for a conference championship. That's something that, you know, everyone yeah. wants to do. And it's going to so, be tremendous. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Me too. Ben, thanks for coming in today. Really appreciate uh, having you in, and we look forward to seeing you on the field this year. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank All you. Right. That's BYU linebacker Ben Bywater. Our boy Mitchell Jurgens joins us next. We'll hear from John Beck as well as Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel continues at BYU Football Media Day on BYU Radio. You are listening to Behind the Mic at BYU Football Media Day 2022. Five out as receiving options. Snap, BYU comes hard. They blitz. It's picked off. Picked off to your side. Chaz you on the INT. Our live coverage of BYU Football Media Day is brought to you by PAX, healthcare inspired. Today's coverage is also brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 
All right, uh, closing segment of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. This is BYU Football Media Day. We'll hear from former BYU quarterback John Beck in a few moments. But uh, with Greg Grubel and Riley Nelson, we welcome in the third member of our game day broadcast crew, the former BYU wide receiver himself, Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch, great to see you. Hey, it's good. Good to see you. Good to be here. So uh, you just before our conversation talked about uh, the Media Day vibe and what it means to you. What did it mean to you as a player um, and, and now as a media member? You know, as as a player, you know, going back to the media days, I think I participated in a few. Um, I mean, they're fun. It just gets you excited to um, talk about the season, look at the upcoming schedule, kind of sit back and relax and just prep yourself mentally for what's to come. Uh, for media day, I mean, it's it's nice. It kind of just rolled in, and um, it, it's it's just fun to, to see all the players, um, see the coaches again, who I who I used to you know run the halls with a lot. And um, it, again, it just brings back that energy um, for the season. That you know, I, I, we were just talking. I, I wish it wasn't so early because <laughs> I feel like football season should start you know in the next couple of weeks. But um, anyway, the vibe is awesome. It's it's just fun to kind of feel the um, the summer heat. Football comes following. And you know, here we go. So it's fun. So, Mitch, I'm I'm most hyped to see, uh, or, or, or most excited. I'm most hyped for Jaron Hall. Like I think that dude's gonna take off like a rocket ship, similar to what we saw with Zach from 19 to 20, and he was that good last year. So anyway, but uh, most excited to see uh, who emerges as running backs. If if Brooks can be as good as I think he can be, I've been able to spend some time with him off the field, and I'm really impressed. And of course, everybody raves about him. Who are you most hyped about that you think is going to take off like a rocket ship? And then what are you most what un, what current unknown are you most excited to see emerge? Yeah, you know I don't think it's it's a surprise here, but Puka Nakua. Uh, I mean he he was a guy last year that you know his first year in the blue and white just completely you know stole the hearts of, of Cougar Nation with his play, his passion, um, his his athletic ability, and and he's coming in you know another year proven um, you know with all the work under his belt. And I think he's just going to be a guy that's that could steal the show. That that Jaron Hall Puka Nakua connection is something special, and uh, so you know I'm super excited about that. Um, as far as maybe a, a player who um, I'm just excited to see again. I know you mentioned kind of maybe not as hyped about, um, but uh, some of the just the the younger the, the younger receivers, um, Cody Epps, uh, a guy coming in that has has shown flashes, but potentially this year we see a little bit more of them. Um, so, I, you know, I'm going to always kind of favor the receivers uh, on who I like to see, but um, it's, it's just going to be a fun season. I think Jaron's surrounded by a ton of good weapons. We'll see Isaac Rex come back, um, catching passes. Um, it was hard to see him go last season, but uh, uh, with the injury and so with him coming back, I think it's just, it's it's going to be a force to be reckoned with on the offense, especially through the air. So And A-Rod telling us that he expects Isaac Rex for game one. Yeah. So that's exciting. All right, Greg Grubel, Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens, you hear us on game days. It was uh, 20 seasons ago that John Beck first took the field at quarterback for BYU. Over two decades, he became one of the all-time greats for the Cougs, then a high NFL draft pick, then a multiple-season pro, and now he's one of the most respected and sought-after QB coaches in the game who's worked with Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, among many others at the college and pro level. Today, John Beck returned to Provo to get some work in over at the football facilities and stop in at Media Day. And I sat down with John to get his thoughts on how things have changed at BYU since his days as a Cougar signal caller. This place has just stepped up in, in, in so many ways, like the kind of term that I used when you and I were talking before we started the interview was just a level up. It's just a level up in so many ways. Like I see the way the players are taken care of. I see the way that the, you know, that whole building over there, whether it's the weight room expanding, whether it's the locker room looking the way that it does, the equipment room, the amount of jerseys, the amount of everything, it's all just been leveled up and you can see it's raising, okay, we're, we're going to take care of the players this way. We're going to do everything we possibly can to help them perform at their best. And there's an excitement. There's a motivation. There's all these things. And to me, BYU football's always been special. And there's always been something like, you know, that has that special feeling to it. Well, now it's that plus all of these other things surrounding it. You've been working with a lot of P5 quarterbacks. Do you think BYU is in that realm of the kind of guys you've been seeing at the P5 level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I look at Jaron right now. Like, I'm really excited for the year that he's going to have. I think, uh, you know, the opportunity that I have to work with guys, you always see it kind of like there's a progression from year one to year two to year three. The cool part about Zach, I, I got to meet him so early in his development right out of high school. And so you got to see how the years progressed with Jaron. 
this is going to be the most exciting year because now we have this foundation that's been built. And I, I look at, you know, how NFL teams I know are already scouting him and aware of him. I think BYU, that quarterback position, people are aware of it. But the cool thing that I think is going to happen is it's parts of the United States. Like everybody knows BYU football, but is it really known that BYU is the special place for quarterbacking? The country knew about it back in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have your kind of splashes here or there. Everybody knows Zach because of what he did in the NFL, being the second pick of the draft, being at the Jets. But I just think, what's it going to be now when the Texas, the Alabamas, the Mississippis, the Louisianas, that part of the country, now all of a sudden it becomes, hey, I want to play Big 12 football. Here's a place that has established quarterbacks going to the NFL. I want to go there. Because that's really what it's about when you look at quarterbacks. Those guys that are thinking P5, it's because they think I want to go P5 and I want to go to the NFL. And what place is going to help me get there? And Jaron, if he can have a great season and go on to the NFL, you're going to have two consecutive quarterbacks in a row as you enter the Big 12 that are going to be NFL caliber guys. And to me, that speaks volume for recruiting. What do you expect out of Jaron Hall in 2022? Consistency, because I think that's who he is. Um, I think he's a really consistent player. Um, I've been impressed uh, throughout last year. And even those games that he started was it three years ago when he played, like yeah. his Utah State game was a good game before he left. Um, and I, I just think like that's who he is as a player. I, I think he knows how he plays the game. He's not trying to do too much. Um, but to me, I would expect consistency and continually doing it against top teams. When I look at how he played against the top teams last year, those Power 5 teams, to me, that's what says, okay, who are they when they play against the tougher teams? And that's what's Jaron shown. So to me, I think it's going to be another year of consistency, another year of, of kind of knowing what the offense is trying to do. Aaron's going to establish a run game. You know, I've, I've heard nothing but great things about the new transfer running back. Mm-hmm. That offensive line that you get to work behind, those are strengths that are going to help you in the play pass game and also as a quarterback because it's going to help you manage their downs. And then because Jaron's a good decision maker, he's not going to have a lot of forced footballs. And you got guys on the outside with Gunner, with Puka, with those. I mean, you you still got that big shot potential. I, I just think this can be a dangerous offense and to have somebody like Jaron at the helm where he's going to be more consistent, just as seeing him kind of progress as a passer in our work together, mm-hmm. I've seen him be more efficient. Some, some of the things that he's going to do, based off of what we just worked on this morning, there's going to be some throws that he's going to be able to make that might have been a like, difficult level like or difficulty level up. He's going to make them easier. Mm-hmm. I think that will have an impact. NFL note, how eager are you for year two of Zach Wilson and what's your connection to the Jets at this point? I, I, I go out there and I help with Zach. Um, I'm no longer a part of the Jets uh, staff. Um, I do get to spend time at their practices, but I don't get to be on the field because I'm no longer a staff member. So Zach and I will put work in on some of the off days or some of the time that he's not with the team, and then I'll get to be there for watch practice. But I'm super excited. One, because I know what year two feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when you get to stay in the same offense, when you get to come back to that same building, it's the same people, that makes a huge impact. They've built up a better team around Zach. And I'm not knocking the guys that were there last year, but I'm just saying, you know, they've, they've moved up a notch in terms of the tight ends that they have there, the receivers, what they've added. I'm really excited for just the team's grown around him and he's grown as well. And I think both those things, you know, in training camp, this is going to be now his second full training camp. He's got all those games he played in last year, to me, I mean, he still has his mistakes that he makes at practice, and that's normal for a second-year player. But I've just seen this level of like confidence, comfort, and you know, understanding the offense a completely different way than it was as a rookie. Kind of as a rookie, you know, you're drinking out of a fire hose. And now, hey, things are flowing. He's understanding it. He has great communication with the offensive coordinator there. He understands now the way that Zach's seen the game, and I think all those things will help. They have a tough schedule, though. Yeah. Those first, like, nine, ten games, you know, I think personally it's a tougher schedule this year than what they played last year. So that's going to be a challenge. Um, but I think there's an excitement there in that building for, like, give us the challenge. You know, yeah. yeah. We believe we can be a way better team, so give us that challenge. Lastly, I think I know the answer to this question, but are you staying busy? Oh, yeah, I'm so busy. <laughs> I literally, like, to be able to get here these couple days, you know, it was because I was able to help out the quarterbacks here. But, I mean, it's been a lot of traveling. All these guys right now are prepping. They got there in their last five and a half weeks before they report to camp. So they're all getting their final workouts in with their teams. I got to be in New Orleans, Miami, uh, Panama City, all these places because they take their receivers and their backs and they say, all right, let's go get three, three days of work in and let's get ready because really it's football season, like right around the corner. John, great to see you again. Been so exciting to see what you've turned your professional career into in this next phase. And we're so glad you're still connected to BYU. Thank you. It's good to be back.
All right, that is former BYU quarterback John Beck. Visited with John earlier today in Studio C here at the BYU Broadcasting Building. We're getting close to wrapping up our Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel Media Day special here at uh, the BYU Radio Studios. Greg Grubel, Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens. You get all three of us on radio game days. And our first game day is coming up a little more than 10 weeks away as BYU gets ready to take on South Florida to open the season. Mitchell, now that you're back with us, um, what excites you most about the final schedule of independent football? I think what excites me the most, I mean, this is obviously another difficult schedule um, for BYU, but as we as we look forward to the 2023 season, you know, it's it's only going to continue to get more competitive. And so I think this is a, just a fabulous proving ground this season to show, you know, the Big 12 definitely didn't make a mistake inviting BYU to the Big 12 conference. And, um, you know, dating back to last year, they, they, they proved it. Uh, there were a lot of those Big 12 schools that were fun to watch this last season. And I think with this schedule, BYU can do it again. Um, they've got tough opponents, um, some that I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot with Baylor, Notre Dame, Stanford. I mean, these are Oregon. These are fabulous schools. And if BYU, they truly have an opportunity to prove that they are, you know, a big dog in college football. Um, and, and so the stage is set in preparation for them, you know, another year before they get to the Big 12. At South Florida, September 3rd, uh, home to Baylor on the 10th, at Oregon the next week, back home for Wyoming and Utah State back-to-back weeks. That gets you through September. That's a five-game September, a four-game October. Notre Dame in Vegas, Arkansas home, Liberty in Lynchburg, ECU at home, a four-game October, and then a three-game November at Boise, Utah Tech in the FCS game at home, and then at Stanford to close it out on Thanksgiving week. So technically fewer P5 games than last year when BYU went on to win six P5s. There are only five on the schedule this year, but it's equally challenging. There's a lot of landmines on the schedule. The Pac-12 didn't want that smoke after the... (laughs) going 5-0? I'm most excited for... I don't know about you, but the fact that Notre Dame will not come to Provo... Boy, it would be nice to hang and uh, send them packing home from Vegas with an L. That's what I'm looking for most excited. Personally, I've always wanted to go to Autzen Stadium. Like Oregon kind of had yeah. that come up in the early 2000s when I was uh, a young player coming up and heard that place gets rowdy and, you know, the flashy jersey and all that stuff. But, man, bring all comers. I'm also – and not to mention I talk with Jaron and he says, like, hey, it plays into my motivation. Go avenge that loss. The Tampa game yeah, in South Florida. Yeah, right off the bat. So – this schedule, you know, P5s are not. This schedule for me does not lack for entertainment and really end in independence with a bang. Okay, the last 60 seconds with you guys. Um, Mitchell, your first roster season at BYU was in the Mountain West Conference. Riley, your first two years at BYU were in the Mountain West Conference. You both got a lot of independence, but um, back to a league starting next year. How refreshing is that going to be to be in a conference again? And that, not just a conference, a P5 conference, the Big 12. I don't know if I'd use the word refreshing. <laughs> if I were these boys, like, and Ben Bywater touched on it, right? Going down to Waco and being like, geez, those O-linemen, they carry a little bit of extra weight. And for being a big boy, he moves pretty well, you know, type of stuff. So, I, But I would be absolutely, like, relishing the challenge, right, to test my game week in, week out against that. I do like – I'm a man of routine, and Coach Lamb talked about it. So did Coach Tuiaki. Um, I do love the fact that you get more consistent opponents, that you get kind of familiar. Maybe a guy gets you – this happened to me. Uh, 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 DB at Oregon State, my junior year, we're playing up there. He gets a pick on me that uh, you know, kind of felt like I shouldn't let him have that one. Came back the next year, and like I made sure gave Cody gave him a little dunt it on through through a, through a TD. So those games that you play, I'd be super excited if I was a player as a broadcaster. All the more excited as well. Yeah, two seconds. I mean, the ability to compete for a championship. I mean, it gives it gives these players so much purpose, so much drive, and uh, I think as a player, they'd just be you know licking their chops, excited for the opportunity. All right, for Riley Nelson and Mitchell Jurgens, we thank coaches Sitake, Roderick, Tuiaki, and Lamb. QB Jaron Hall, linebacker Ben Water for joining us. We'll talk to you on September 3rd. I'm Greg Grubel saying go kook. So long. You have been listening to exclusive coverage of BYU Football Media Day 2022. Brought to you by PAX. Healthcare inspired. BYU Football Media Day is an exclusive production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Download the podcast at BYUradio.org.